Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. If we could, can someone just grab this table for me here? We're going to dive into uh, a second message in a series of talks called In Development. If you were here last week, we started this series, In Development. I believe that every person in this room is in a process of development. Do you believe it? Come on. Nobody here is a finished product. Everybody here is a work in progress, no matter how hard we might try to hide it sometimes. You know, we get good at playing the game, don't we, of making sure that we only present ourselves at the greatest angle. We get good. I heard somebody talking recently. They're like, you know what? My wife has become so good at being able to spot someone on Instagram who works their angles just right. She's like, oh, no, she doesn't look like that in real life. Now, this is not my wife. This is somebody saying that, that of, of their wife. They're like, oh, they, they've, they've spotted the ability to only show the best angle. In fact, like, does anyone in the room, do you know what your best side is? Yes. Esteban knows what his best side is. Okay. We know how to show ourselves. We all know what our best side is socially. We all know that in, in different settings, like this is the game that I play here presenting my greatest strengths. In fact, some of us would have that one-size-fits-all story that works at every party and gets a no way because we, we like to present that we're already there. But I'm going to be honest. If this was it, I'm a little disappointed. I'm believing for more in my life. I'm believing for, for greater things in the days to come than I've already seen in the past. Is anyone else with me? We're in development. And the beautiful thing is this, that God is in that process with us. You see, God is shaping us and shifting us and making us into his image. In the book of Ephesians, it says that we are God's masterpiece, that he's in the process of designing us in such a way that the world around us would go, whoa. You know, in the book of Jeremiah, it says this, that we are like clay and God is the one who is working that clay. He's the, the potter. Have you ever tried to do pottery? Anybody ever take like a little pottery class? You get, get clay on a wheel? Come on, anybody? It, it, it goes really wrong really fast. You get it on there, like, man, I'm really working this thing. And then all of a sudden, and it's gone. I don't know if anyone feels like your week went real wrong real fast. Or maybe this season of your life, like I thought I had it all together and it was starting to actually look like something, and then real wrong, real fast. The beautiful part of that story says this, that the potter is able to take that clay and just start all over again and start making something useful and start making something beautiful. In Corinthians, it says this, that we're like clay jars, but we possess within us a treasure that is the, the presence of God in our lives. We're in development. We're not trying to be a finished product. I, I am not looking for or celebrating perfection in my own life, but only progress. I'm getting a little bit better every day. God is helping me to, to become closer to the, the version of myself that he intends for me to be. And so in this series of talks, we're trying to look at that angle. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you, go check out the podcast or Go on YouTube, you can watch the service. I think it would be helpful for you to have this picture of a young man named Jeremiah who his weakness that he thought defined him 
God goes, well, yeah, of course that's a weakness, but don't talk about it because I'm actually going to become your strength. I'm going to meet you in your place of weakness and fill in that gap. Today, I want to look at the same type of topic from a different angle, and I'm going to use a different story in Scripture. Do you know what's the Bible that gives us license? In, in, in Romans 15, it says this, that everything that was written is written so that we can learn and be encouraged by the endurance of others. So today, as I read this story, if I could, I want to ask you to try to picture yourself within the story and say, how do I respond? How is this similar to me? And what we're going to see is principles that apply to our life. You see, good interpretation of Scripture is saying this meant something to someone and it applies to me. Bad interpretation of Scripture is saying this, this is speaking just to me. No, no, it meant something to someone. We have to find out what that is, but then we have to say if that is true, then how does it apply to me? So as I read this story today, maybe we can see ourselves within the story and say, how would I respond? How would I feel? In what way is this similar to me? If you have your Bible, turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. I want to tell you a story of a woman named Hannah. I think Hannah is an incredible example of faith. She's certainly an example of, uh, of this willingness to go through a process of development and uh, today she's going to teach us just a little bit uh, something about how to pray. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. There was a certain man from Ramathan, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth. Now, if anyone in the room is pregnant, these are great baby names, okay? I'm saying if you name your kid Tohu... There's no chance he's ever getting made fun of. Tohu, that, that, that name is never going to be teased at all. Verse 2, it says this. Now, th this man, Elkanah, he had two wives. Just got a little more awkward. One was called Hannah. One was called Panina. Panina was a sandwich. Just kidding. Panina had children, and Hannah had none. Context. Awkward family dynamic. One husband, two wives. One had children, one did not. Like, like, talk about getting caught up into a story. This is the beginning of a movie where they just give you the, the title screen with some information. Like, we don't want to have to describe what was going on in the 13th century. We don't want to have to describe what was happening in the city of Chicago this year. We don't want to have to describe the dynamic of this particular family in great pictorial detail. Let us just give you a quick summary. Quick summary, one husband, two wives, one has children, one does not. It says this, year after year, the man went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he'd give a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival would provoke her till she wept and she would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they were finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting in his chair at the doorpost of the house of the Lord. In her deep anguish, she prayed to the Lord. She was weeping bitterly. 
And she made a vow. She said, Lord Almighty, if only you would look after your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever touch his head. This was like an extreme form of dedication. She's going, I don't even want this for me. Like, like if you would just bless me with a baby, I'll just bring him back here and he can spend his entire life serving as, as a priest, his entire life serving in the house of the Lord. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought, oh, she must be drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I'm pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do you take your servant for a wicked woman? I've been praying here uh, in great anguish and in great grief. Eli answered her, go in peace and may the Lord of Israel grant you the, the thing that you have asked him. She said, my, uh, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and she ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose, they worshiped the Lord, and they went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah, woo, made love to his wife Hannah, okay? And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Let's pray. Jesus, use, use these words in these next few moments to teach us a little something about prayer. Use these words to teach us a little something about the process of developing faith. In your name we pray, amen. If you're taking notes, if you could write down uh, the title of today's message, A Big Ask. A Big Ask. Have you ever had to make a really big ask? Like, like, like someone in your life and you're like, this is not just a minor thing. This is not just a passing thing. Like I know this is a big deal. I'm asking for you to get up at 4.30 to take me to the airport. That's a big ask, right? Like you got to be real friends to drive someone to the airport early in the morning. It's a big ask. Have you ever had, had a big ask of somebody? Like maybe it's, it's your, your husband or your wife, your partner, and you're asking them something big, and so you are waiting for the perfect moment. You're trying to make sure the atmosphere is just right and everything is going well, and you're thinking, how can I best kind of slide this in here because it's a big ask. Maybe it's your, your employer and you're trying to ask, you know, for a promotion. You're trying to ask for, for a change in your schedule. You're maybe looking for a raise. And so you're waiting until your performance is in a place where you're being praised and you're positioned just right to, to hopefully get the answer to the request that you're trying to make. You got a big ask maybe of like a neighbor. You've got a You've got a parking situation that you're trying to work out, and you're trying to figure out exactly how to work that thing out, and so you're waiting till you can catch their eye, and you're waiting and watching for a moment where you can come together, or maybe you've got a big ask of a friend to entrust them with something. You've got a big ask to make to somebody. Isn't it interesting that, that we generally look for the opportunities where it would be most advantageous to get the answer that we want to that request, right? Like, I'm not talking about, about little things. Small things we, we, we might ask without even a second thought, but what about the, the big ask? I wonder if sometimes we apply the same type of logic to the way we pray. 
that when we're praying things that we deem to be small, it doesn't take that much out of us. But when it's something that's a big ask, we assume perhaps God, like a loved one, we need to get him when he's in his best mood. Or we think perhaps God, like an an employer, we've got to wait until we're performing just right and we're put in the best light. Or or maybe like a friend, we've just got to wait till it comes up organically. It's the thing on our mind. It's the thing on our heart. But we're waiting for it to to come into play. I want to ask you a couple questions. What what, what have your, your prayers been this week? Like we all pray maybe things that, that we would deem these were not the big things we're praying about. Like, oh God, please let this stay green. Come on, stay green, stay green. Because oh, we're stuck in traffic and we're running just a little bit slower than we'd like to be. find myself in a lot of high school sporting events where there's little momentary prayers like, oh God, we need this free throw so bad right now. It would be amazing. Yes, amen. <laughs> you know, other people are like, come on now. And I'm like, amen, in, in, the, in the stands. We find ourselves asking little things of the the Lord and and maybe including God in some of the things we're processing interpersonally, some conversations we're having like, oh God, I need need some wisdom on this one. But then there's the the big ask. There's the, the thing connected to the deepest desires within our hearts. What's the big thing that you're asking of the Lord in this season? Now, for some, immediately you can think of what it is. And if that's true, write it down. In your notes, like write, write that thing down. For some, maybe you've convinced yourself out of praying for that thing because you feel like you're underqualified, you're undeserving, it doesn't make any sense anyway. Or maybe simply your faith is not at a place where you think God would even know or even care. Well, today, as we look at, at Hannah, perhaps what we could learn is that God cares about our deepest desires. God cares about the things that we care about. My hope today is before we leave that we all make a big ask of the Lord, that we would bring a big request to God and in boldness entrust God with the things that we're deeply desiring. Now, what we will learn from Hannah is this, that if we're going to ask big of God, we're probably going to have to overcome some of the natural obstacles that would hold us back from doing so. If we're going to ask big of God, there are going to be some obstacles in the process of faith. Because here's what happens. When I pray, I'm not changing the heart of God. When I pray, I'm not changing the perspective of God. When I pray, I'm not changing the, the, the mind of God, where he's like, you know what, I actually thought this was good, but now that you mention it, it's bad. When I pray, it's my own heart that is being developed. It's my own perspective that's being developed. It's my own stamina that's being developed. Have you noticed this over the last three years, that people's stamina is not what it once was? Have you noticed that, like emotionally, relationally, like, like the ability to like, oh, things aren't going great, but we're okay. Uh, these last three years, I've noticed socially there's a lowering of stamina where any sort of tension, people are like, I'm out, I'm working from home today. Like, like I just, I, I can't handle this even right now. 
But, but when I pray, I'm, I'm developing a stamina in my faith. I, I, I'm learning a, a new perspective in my faith. Could it be this, that, that we've had the wrong perspective of what prayer is like? We're not softening God up. Well, we're not trying to like, hello, get God's attention. Actually, when we pray, it's, it's our attention that is getting God. It's our heart that's becoming softer. It's our stamina and faith that's being developed. It's our perspective that's being shifted. Have you ever heard the per- th- this statement before? Well, it doesn't hurt to ask. Or does it? Honestly, does it? Because if I never ask God for this, I could never be disappointed. If I never expect anything good to happen, then I won't be crushed when it doesn't. Does this sound like the way any of us live? If I don't spiritualize my relationships, then, then I don't have to feel bad when they're not going well. If I don't invite God into the thoughts I have you know, around my, my employment or, or my, my progress in my career, then I don't feel like he's letting me down. It doesn't hurt to ask, but does it? I don't know, sometimes I feel a little bit like Hannah. She's travailing in prayer. She's bitterly weeping in prayer. It kind of feels like asking it hurt a little bit. In fact, sometimes asking just feels like asking for trouble. I want to I highlight, if I could, four obstacles that I think you and I will also need to face if we're going to become people of great faith. If we're going to become the type of people who, who allow our deepest desires to develop faith within us instead of frustration. Here are four obstacles that we're all going to need to overcome. Number one, the irritation of opposition. The irritation of opposition. Think of Hannah, like, like she's just minding her own business. All she's wanting to do is see her own desires fulfilled. But she's got this rival wife, this woman, Panina. She's got at least multiple sons and daughters. Like, like she is living the life in part that Hannah wishes she could live, and she's made it her mission to provoke and to irritate. Look what it says. We'll go back to verse 6. It says this, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Have you ever felt like there's some irritation in your life? Some opposition in your life? I don't even know what kind of a dark place this must have come from for, for Panina to think it was necessary. What, what was she trying to prove? What's she trying to do? Have you ever felt that in your life? Like, like what are they trying to prove by this? Why are they doing this to me? Well, like, like, can you just leave me alone? What it exposed in Hannah was doubt, comparison, frustration. Have you, have you ever felt like you're just trying to trust the Lord? You're just doing, you're like holding on for dear life just to trust God and, and you got people who are reminding you that somehow their life is better than yours? Now let's hope they're not as intentional as Panina was. Let's hope that, that it is not their purpose and their intent, but we still need to overcome that irritation that comes with opposition. For Panina, it was targeted. And here's one thing I do know. For, for the devil, it's targeted. Now, now here is the solution to irritation, or one of them. Hannah could have 
just stopped caring. That is a solution that people try every day, by the way. Just stop caring. All she needed to do is say, well, I don't actually care at all. Like, ha you don't have any kids. She's like, don't want them. And all of a sudden, like, it ends. But to do so, she would have had to be emotionally dishonest. I, I fear it's a compromise we make far too often. Instead of pushing through the irritation of opposition, we just say, didn't care anyway. Like, like, hey, didn't care anyway. Didn't want that promotion anyway. Don't care how my life's going anyway. I'm just learning to deal with these frustrations anyway. We think the only solution to deal with irritation is to simply stop caring. Where, where truth, truly, God wants to meet us in that place of care and concern. The Bible says he will meet the desires and fulfill the desires of our heart, not extract them. You know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll take all your desires away. No, no, no. He will fulfill the desires of your heart. I want to encourage you, fight the urge and temptation to stop caring. You had people in your life try to convince you out of caring. Who cares whether or not your business thrives? Who cares whether or not, you know, like, like just be happy single. Who cares? Like, don't stop desiring the thing that you desire. Who cares if you ever, you know, you build the family you want to? Who cares if you ever get to experience the things you want? Who cares if God ever uses you as a leader? Just be happy where you're at. No, no, don't let go of those desires. Just learn how to push through and continue to big, ask big of God. Number two, second obstacle we're all going to need to face if we're going to become people of great prayer is the drain of waiting. Waiting is a drain. Like, like I'm, I'm not naturally that good at waiting, so it, it feels kind of like a, feels kind of like a slap having to wait. I just don't like it. It feels more like jarring. But, but the real difficulty of waiting is the drain. It's not the frustration of a mom like, oh, I've got to wait for this. It's the, the drain. What does it say of Hannah? Year after year. Now, there was, there was one time in the year that this specific festival would happen, that, that they decided, let's go to the house of the Lord and just thank God for how good he's been to us. And it was that moment in time, it was that exchange where her rival would meet her with opposition. And it happened year after year. I don't know about you, have you, have you ever edited some of your desires because it's been so long and you assume God's trying to, must be just trying to send me a message. Expect less. God, God must be just trying to tell me something. Passively, aggressively, God just trying to give me the cold shoulder and tell me I don't matter that much. Not too special. Year after year, the drain on your desire. Here's one way that could have been solved. She could have stopped showing up. For some of us, that, that's the compromise we make. We go, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to stop showing up in prayer. If I don't bring this thing up, then I don't have to, to wait for it. Like, I just, I'm just going to stop. See, waiting's interesting. Time is interesting. And just... Before the service, I heard some of our worship team discussing 
time and light years and looking back into the future and ahead and or back, yeah, confusing. Ask Linaldo, your mind will be blown. But time's confusing. Because we all experience it exactly the same. We can't speed up or slow down a minute no matter how hard we try. And yet the Bible describes God's relationship to time in this way. He is both the beginning and the end. He's both the first and the last. So the way I experiencing waiting is, is, a, is a drain. And meanwhile, God is trying to develop stamina within me. Because God already knew of Hannah that, that her desires would be met, that her dreams would be fulfilled. In fact, not only was she given a son, Samuel, if you read the next chapter, she went on to have more sons and more daughters. God actually had intended to give her way more than she even desired. I dare to believe that's the heart of God in my life. I believe that's the heart of God in your life. He actually wants to give you more than you desire, more than you could ask for or imagine. That's what the Bible says. But we go, well, it's not happening yet, so it must just be God saying no. But it's actually God saying wait. I have found the only, the only desires that God has ever just shut down, he actually just shifted in me where I stopped desiring them. The only time a desire was met with a no, it actually is just that over time, I'm like, man, I don't even really, I actually, my, my, my tastes have changed. My desires have changed. If you still desire it, don't stop praying. Don't let the drain of waiting stop you from showing up. There's another solution in store. Number three, third obstacle we all need to overcome if we're going to become great people of faith, if we're going to keep on bringing a big ask to the Lord. That third thing is the enticement of comfort. The enticement of comfort. I think this is the funniest part of the story, by the way, is verse 8. It says this, uh, her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? That sounds like the most husband thing ever. I don't get it. What's wrong? <laughs> Let me solve it. He's like, I don't get it. Why are you downcast? What's the big deal? He, he, he's thinking this. This is, this, is, this is Elkanah. He's like, I gave you twice as much meat as I gave Panina. You should be happy. Isn't that all we want in life? More meat. He's like, like, she has a, a, a dozen wings. I gave you two dozen wings. Like, this is all, all you should want. Aren't you happy with how much meat I gave you? She's like, you are such an idiot. <laughs> and then he goes, and, and also, you got me, babe. He's like, aren't I better than 10 sons? The implied answer is no. <laughs> He's like, like, for real, of both of the wives I have, you're my favorite. Shouldn't that be enough? It's kind of like the way we get enticed into comfort. Where we negotiate down what excellence would be. And instead of continuing to desire for the greatest, we just go, well, it's good enough. Like, like this is not the life that I, I wanted, but meh, it's better than being alone. This is not the path that, that I'm pursuing, but hey, it's better than doing nothing. The enticement to comfort. But wait, aren't I better than your dream? No. We have to push through. Here would be the thing. 
the solution, I suppose, in that moment would be for Hannah to say, you're right. Bring out the barbecue sauce. I, like, I guess, why am I, why am I making this such a big deal? Have you ever had someone convince you that you're just making too big of a deal of things? And you need, you need, you need different friends. Number four, the awkwardness of being misunderstood. The awkwardness of being misunderstood. All of us need to, to overcome this one as well. The awkwardness of being misunderstood. See, Hannah, she's in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. She showed up. She didn't give up. And what's she doing? Man, she is praying in the presence of God. And then the priest, the one who should get that she's in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, he's like, oh, that girl's been drinking. He totally misses, misunderstands her. He rebukes her. He's like, you, you are in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. Have you ever felt misunderstood? I hate being misunderstood so much that sometimes I over-clarify. Like there's nothing more frustrating. I just hate being misunderstood. I guess the solution would be isolation. Can't be misunderstood if nobody observes the way you're doing life. I guess the greatest way to, to, to not be misunderstood is just not let anyone in. But not Hannah. It actually says that she continued praying. The, the, the word in the Hebrew language is that she multiplied her prayers. She wasn't deterred at all. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop praying. You see, sometimes your desire for excellence, people might have misunderstood as vanity. Maybe your desire to be used of God, people have misunderstood as pride. Perhaps your, your desire for success, people have thought it was greed and underneath it was actually just generosity. People have labeled you with whatever misunderstanding they have. Don't isolate from people just because they misunderstand. We have to push through the awkwardness of being misunderstood if we're going to ask big of God. Now, if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this and, and receive it as a, as a prayer over you. It's the way it was intended when Eli meets with Hannah. You know what's actually really cool? I didn't notice this until today. It just didn't stand out. Is that Eli <clears throat> doesn't ask her what she's praying for. At all. Maybe because he doesn't care. But probably because it doesn't matter. Like there was nothing too big for God. There's nothing too personal for God. Instead, he just meets her with this statement. I want to read it over you and, and believe it for you today. He says, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And there's something in this exchange that, that ministers to Hannah in a profound way. It says, so she did that. She went. And she ate, and her face was no longer downcast. Hold up, was she pregnant yet? No. 
Was her rival out of the equation? No. Was her husband all of a sudden more sensitive? Probably not. Like, like what changed? God met her with peace. Isn't that amazing? You see, if peace doesn't come until the promise is fulfilled, here's the danger. Here's the risk. It is we say, man, I grinded it out. I'm so glad that I was the person who persevered in prayer. I did this. I was glad that I never gave up and eventually God agreed. But when peace meets us, God gets all the glory. You see, Hannah went on. If you read the next chapter, imagine if I'm like, now that's the intro. Let's go on to read the next chapter. We're not going to do that today. It's Super Bowl Sunday. You guys got to get home. But she goes on to write this beautiful prayer. And her prayer is this, like, the, like, let me just read you a few lines from it in the next chapter. It says this, there's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside him. She says this, that those who stumble, he arms with strength. Those who are barren, bear children. She goes on to say this, the, the, the Lord uh, sends wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts up the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and they inherit the throne of honor. She's like, oh, this was all God. Why? Because she was met with peace first. That's what I'm praying for you today. You wrote down what your big ask is, or maybe as we're thinking about it, you're becoming aware of what your deep desire is. And we're going to pray about that thing, but the prayer will be for more than just a solution. It'll be go in peace. And may God grant that to you. You'd find peace. Now this week it has all, had all sorts of different prayers. I, I mentioned you know, some that come up all the time, like a green light staying green so I can get to the next thing on time, a free throw going in so we can move on to the next round of the playoffs. I, I had a prayer la last night at around 1 a.m. Oh, God, please let my vehicle start as I was underneath it, laying on the road, smacking my starter. That's kind of how my week has gone. Earlier this week, we got, got a, a call that uh, Jennifer's lovely grandma had, had fallen sick, was in the hospital. She fell into a coma. Later the day, that day, she died. And, and uh, you, know, you know what our, our, our prayer was immediately? Because, oh, God, just, just that there'd be peace. Everyone meet us with peace. And when we heard she had died, it's like, oh, oh, praise God. I mean, she's lived a great life. She loved the Lord. Like, there, there's only just been peace around it. It's my favorite thing to pray, by the way, is pray for peace. Because peace doesn't have to wait. I love that. You know, as a recovering struggler with waiting, I love that peace can meet me right where I'm at. Peace isn't contingent on, on being removed from awkward situations or being out of the presence of irritation. Peace can meet me right where I'm at. There's a mentor in my life. He, he said this. I, I thought it was so great. He said, like, like when you're around people who need a miracle, share stories, share testimonies, talk about miracles. Why? Because miracles happen in an atmosphere of faith. Why do I read a story like Hannah? What an awesome story. If you went on to read, you would find that, 
that, that Samuel, the boy that was born, didn't just bring joy to her life. It wasn't just that finally she could say, hey, Penina, take that. Samuel actually went on to be a leader in, in the nation. He went on to mentor King David. We have the Psalms because of King David. We, we've got the lineage of Jesus because of King David. Who's his mentor? Samuel. Like the, the influence of the dream on her life was way bigger than just I feel lonely or I want to be fulfilled. Don't let anyone diminish that desire on your heart because God probably wants to use it for something way bigger than you could see right now, way bigger than you could intend right now, way bigger than you could even hope for right now, certainly way bigger than you can even imagine right now. And she named him Samuel. This is just kind of an interesting aside. The word Samuel means the name of the Lord, but the word sounds like, like the, the word to ask. So she said, I named him Samuel because I asked the Lord for him. Like a little little play on words. People are like, what's his name? Oh, Samuel. Oh, it's a cute name. Yeah, because I asked. He's like, oh, I like that. What's the signal? Oh, very nice. Today we're going to ask the Lord. I'm going to lead in prayer. Like Eli, I don't even need to know what that deep desire is. Because my God is able. And I believe that he can meet us with peace now and grant us the thing that we're desiring. Can you believe in faith for that today? Why don't you bow your heads wherever you are? Jesus, today, we acknowledge desire in our heart. For some, it's finding the courage to push through irritation. For some, it requires that we don't allow that drain of waiting to rob us of great faith. For some, it's the enticement of comfort. We're laying down. It gets a little uncomfortable to keep on caring, but we're not going to sell ourselves short. For some, we're pushing through the awkwardness we felt misunderstood by our family or our friends or by people that we've spent significant portions of our life with that don't get why it is that we keep on caring so much. But here's what I know to be true of you, Lord. You deeply care for the desires of our heart. Here's what I know about you. You are patient. And when we struggle with waiting, you, you don't struggle because you are both the beginning and the end. Here I, I know about you. There's nothing that's too difficult for you. All things are possible with the Lord. And so I pray right now for two things, for every person in this room. First of all, all Lord, would you grant peace? Inexplicable, undeniable, peace that passes understanding. That we'd find ourselves like, I don't know why, but, but I, I don't feel downcast like I did. I, I, I can eat, I can sleep, I can move on. I, I'm okay. In the midst of this crazy, I'm okay because God's in control. And then second, Lord, I pray that you would grant the things that we're asking. These big requests. That you would grant the healing that is needed. Lord, that you would, you would give today the, the freedom that is needed. For those who are struggling with an addiction, that you would give that freedom that we need. For those in the room who are struggling with a broken heart, that you would give that wholeness that we so desperately need. For those who are, are desiring for, for advancement or for relationship or for children or for breakthrough, that you'd give the thing that we're needing. 
And when you do, Lord, the story is not how hard we grinded. It's not how, how great we were at continuing to care. It's how good you are to meet us in our weakness. You are capable. You are able. I pray right now for every person here that we begin to identify the stories of faith that we have that we could encourage the people around us with that we would establish in our friend groups, in our family settings, an atmosphere of faith where miracles can thrive. Lord, we're done editing down our prayers to the size that we feel you can handle. And we're sorry that we've tried to manipulate you into changing to see things our way. Change us, God. Develop us. Develop our hearts, our perspective, our stamina, our faith so we can see things like you see them. And I thank you, Lord, that you are not finished with us yet. With eyes closed, with heads bowed, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, even where you are, you could pray a prayer like this. God, today I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I receive your grace and forgiveness. And God hears you. He responds to you. He makes you new. He makes you whole. If you pray a prayer like that, I would love to encourage you. Come find me after. I want to encourage you in your next steps. Before, before I conclude, just feel like God's speaking to somebody here. He's tried all sorts of different solutions to fulfill that desire you've got. You're chasing after things. As I say it, you're like, ooh, this is for me. I just want you to know, God's not, God's not mad at you. Not disappointed in you, but he does have better for you. And I do feel like God's saying this, I can wait longer than you can. Like, I'll just wait it out because I want the best for you. Not second best, not compromise. The longer you keep trying to find your own solution, the longer God is waiting, thank God he's so patient, he's so kind. But he's ready to respond and to meet you. Lord, I pray that the things we desire would be granted in a way that would leave us shocked and amazed. That you'd use our lives in bigger ways than we could imagine. In your name we pray. If you believe that in your heart, could you say a big amen? Oh, come on, can we say a big amen? I think God's on the move. I honestly think this, that the, by next Super Bowl Sunday... Woo, some of the things you're desiring for right now, you're going to look and go, wow, that's crazy. You won't mark it by Super Bowl Sunday because you don't care about Super Bowl. I get it. I get it. I talked to someone today like, oh, is there a Super Bowl? I thought it was just a Rihanna show. I got one more thing, too. I actually don't care at all about the halftime show. I'm like, who's she? Okay. Uh, one, more, one more thing to say. As you, you might know, earlier this week, uh, there was a, an incredible, profound earthquake uh, in, in Turkey and in Syria. And Esteban and I were talking earlier this week. He has a friend who has, uh, or a co-worker who has friends on the ground there, and he's connected with there. And he said the need is quite profound. He's working uh, to put together some relief response there. These things are always really, really difficult. Because if you don't know a person, you're like, I don't know, what are we, like, push a button here and it makes a difference there? Or is it really making a difference? Well, here's somebody who has friends there and they're trying to get like realistic, usable goods. And so maybe you're here and you're like, I got some extra blankets, some extra clothes or shoes. It's those types of things like, like hard products. We're not going to send food, but it's sending like, like the, the things that have been destroyed. And so 
If you don't know Esteban, you're already missing out. Just stand up for a second, Esteban. Okay, you're welcome. Your life just got better, okay? Esteban, maybe if you could join Kezia in the back there by that connect there. If, if you want to be a part of, of how we could maybe be a response as individuals, uh, you can chat with Esteban. He's going to give you some info on that, okay? I love you guys a lot. Next Sunday is going to be amazing. We're going to be back here, same time, same place, and uh, we're going to hang out together. I'm praying for you. Truly, we have people in our church that are praying for you all the time. So if you have a need, maybe even it's the big ask that you're praying about right now, in the back you'll find these cards. They say prayer and praise. If you want to write down a need, there will be actual humans, not AI, not chat, GTB, whatever, We will be praying for you, okay? We'd love to agree together with you in prayer. If that's helpful, you can do that. Love you guys so much. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.